Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcast. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Doesn't that just feel good? Man, I, I, I could just play that for the rest of the service and, and, and be happy. Well, that was the song, What Can I Do? Hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. And it was first heard on the miniseries Roots that aired in 1977. How many of you remember that? The musical score was, was, the score and soundtrack was written and produced by Quincy Jones. You recognize that name. It was based on Alex Haley's novel from 1976, Roots, the saga of the American family, of an American family. And the series received 37 Primetime Emmy Award nominations and won nine. It also won a Golden Globe and a Peabody Award. And it received an unprecedented Nielsen rating for the finale, which holds the record as the third highest rated episode ever for any type of television series and the second most watched overall series finale in U.S. television history. Would anybody care to, do you happen to know what number one was? MASH. Yes, sir. To Earl in the back. And you know, interestingly enough, and, and I, I thought this was funny, and a uh, little potty, potty humor for your, your Sunday morning, but um, in the big cities, and, and it was basically in New York City, they reported after the show ended, you know, when it, when it went off, that there was the highest use of water in the city ever recorded because everybody was waiting to use the bathroom whenever the episode was over. <laughs> Thought that was kind of cool. I mean, it, it's not connected at all to, to Roots, and it's certainly not connected at all to what I want to talk about this morning, but I just thought that was pretty awesome. So, yeah, a little bit of potty humor. So, it was kind of clean potty humor, though, you have to admit. I, I didn't get into the, to the bad stuff. Interestingly enough about Roots, just one last thing. It introduced LeVar Burton... Some of you might recognize that name in the role of Kunta Kinte, who went on to host Reading Rainbow. How many of you knew that? the answer to that one? My kids were watching that whenever they were, were young. Is, is it even still on PBS? Is it, it it's, well, it was still, it, it, it's, it did its time and it was, it was a good little show. And he also starred as Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation. 
How many of you are Trekkie fans? Or Trekkies? I'm convinced that God is always speaking. I heard a few amens to that. The question is, do we hear his voice? Is our ear tuned to hear his voice? Or when we hear his voice, what do we do about it? When the Lord tells you to do something, what do you do? One of my favorite writers and speakers is the late Dallas Willard. He wrote a book called Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. And he had this to say about hearing God's voice. Our failure to hear his voice when we want to is due to the fact that we do not, in general, want to hear it. That we want it only when we think we need it. That's one of those oh me moments. Oh me. Well, I want to see if anyone has any testimonies or any, any risks taken this past week. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first just because I... I this, is, this has been an extraordinary week for me. Um, I think I've told everybody, I, I go for walks in the park. And if you've ever walked in the park, you see people, right? They pass you or you pass them. Well, since we've been doing this wrist thing, I've started noticing that people will catch my attention. And there have been a lot of times where I've been walking, and it's like I, I don't really want to look at anybody. I don't really want to talk to anybody because I've got my, my schedule. You know, I want to get finished. I, 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 can, I can walk four miles in, in a little over an hour. And so I, I want to make sure that I stay on target and get finished when I want to start and get finished. And so since we've been talking about taking risks... God's been pointing people out to me while I've been walking on the track. And you want to talk about it, it's scary. Like, go talk to that person. Uh, don't know anything about them. Well, Tuesday, I was walking. And I walked by a man who was walking a dog. He was an older guy. And I walked past him. And I felt like when I, I, I spoke to him on the way by. And I may have gotten maybe 20 feet away and I felt like the Lord said, you need to go back and talk to that guy. Well, I started thinking in my head, well, I can continue on and maybe he'll still be here whenever I come back around. Well, I've done that before and, and I've missed opportunities to talk to people. And so I, I continued on and I'm, I'm having this conversation with the Lord in my head and I said, well, um, maybe, I, you know, I can turn around up here someplace. Well, and one of the things that I do when I'm walking, whenever I get to a mile marker, I have an, an, an app that tells me, okay, you've reached mile whatever. And so I use that to turn around. Well, I had just cleared this guy, and my app told me, okay, you've just reached the mile marker. 
So it's time to turn around in my head. So I turned around, and you know, and I'm trying to think about. It. I mean, how do, you, how do you just start a conversation with a perfect stranger? And some people, it's not a problem. Like Marlena, she doesn't have a problem speaking to strangers, but I do. Once I've had an opportunity to talk to them a little bit, I, I, I you know, I, I'm I, the words come easier. So I'm the whole time I'm just trying to figure it out, and then on top of all that. I felt like the Lord told me that he needs prayer for his shoulder. Okay. So I'm trying to think about it, and I'm, turn, I'm coming back. And so I approached the man, and he was, he was, he was probably in his 80s. And so I, I just approached him. I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? He said, sure. And, and I just asked him, do you have pain in your shoulder? And he had shades on, and oh man. And he proceeded to tell me that he had fallen in his garage, he had hurt his elbow, and it hurt his shoulder, and then the pain from the right shoulder had radiated over into the left. Okay. Well, I felt like God wanted me to pray for you, so would it be okay if, if, if I pray for your shoulders? Absolutely. So I, I prayed for him, and, it, and, and you know, and I, I didn't want it to be weird. I'm shaking because I'm, I'm so nervous. And I, I'm, and I just say to, just said a little prayer, and Lord would touch his shoulders and just take away the pain. And so then I, I finished praying, and then I asked him, "How do you feel?" And he said, "Oh man." They feel good, and he starts moving his shoulders like this, and and so he he asked me, "Well, do you come here very often?" I said, "No, I actually I I went to this particular park because it had rained, and and uh, this was Jackson Park. Jackson Park has a, the the paved walkway, and so I went there because Holt Park was going to be all muddy, and so I explained this to him, and he said, "Well." You know, my wife and I, we come here a lot, and so maybe we'll see you again. So I was, I'm, I'm expecting to see him. His name's Milton. I'm expecting to see him and his wife at some point in the future. And not to be outdone, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really giving anybody else any opportunity to say anything, but um, I don't really see anybody raising their hands like you've, you've, you're, you're wanting to tell me something. But um, on Thursday, I went walking again, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm back at Holt Park, and I'm just gonna, I, I, I'm just gonna finish, and you know, and everything's gonna be fine. Well, I noticed this guy for the first when I got there, and I was the whole time is like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna take care of my walking today, because I mean, you know, this guy seems like he's okay, he's smiling at me, and you know, and so I'd see him, and we'd talk a little bit. Third lap, it was just, it was, it was deafening, and so I, I said, and I didn't really know what I was gonna pray for, and I'm approaching the guy, and so. And then I, I just noticed that he was limping, and I, I, and I asked him, uh, do you mind if I ask you a question? I, I, I feel like, you know, I get these impressions sometimes, and I feel like God wants me to pray for you, and, and I'm just wondering, do you, do you have foot pain? And he said, well, I, I, I hurt my ankle, and it's bothering me. And it, 
well, can I pray for you? And so I prayed for him, and, and uh, I didn't even get to ask him, you know, how, how does it feel or anything. And he, and, he, and he just walked off, and he was like, I hope you have a good afternoon. My day just got better. And so, um, so now it looks like when I go walking, I, I'm, I'm going to have to be prepared to, to, to be there for a little while. So, um, but it, it's, it's really exciting because I've actually been seeing God show up. And so I just want to use that to encourage each of you that whenever you're out, just pay attention to what the Lord might show you. Oh, Rachel, you're raising your hand. Uh, Do we have the the mic? Oh, Sean has one too? Okay. Hi. Um, So... I was at work on Tuesday, and um, so it just so happened that even though it's usually the same people on shift every single day, like it's always the same, there happened to be a different um, head of the shift than there usually is. So he brought up that he was having some questions about things like, how do you get to heaven and like stuff like that, and... You know, always fun talking about religion with people that you barely know. And <laughs> um, But I kind of felt like maybe I should talk to him more about it. And I was kind of surprised because he was completely mind-blown at things that I kind of thought were somewhat obvious. But And I don't know if anything that I said meant anything to him or did anything for him, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. Some plant, Good job. some water, some reed. Um, Brad, could you bring the, the mic? Because um, Sean has something. You can you can stay, stay you can stay seated. I'll just hold the mic for you. She'll watch, so we're good. <laughs> My name is Sean. Last week, well, really, it was two weeks ago, I was asked to be part of a black deaf group on Facebook as an administrator. And first, I really wasn't so sure about it because I didn't know. I thought there might be a lot of drama. But one of my friends co-worker had asked me you know about joining the group and that if I didn't like the group then I could step out so I decided to take a risk and join the group and again it was a black deaf group organization and I wanted to help them because many deaf groups are already set for those that are Caucasian But for those that are deaf and black, there's only a few. And there's not a lot of posts that are shared. But with the black deaf group, it requires you to make like a video because you're deaf, right? That's how you're signing and communicating. So I decided to join. And of course, there was some drama going on. I felt uncomfortable. And last week, 
someone had mentioned, because I had asked for prayer about it, and I decided uh, to ask for prayer about wisdom. And uh, Lee, Rachel's dad, and Shauna interpreted, I came up front and asked for prayer and explained my situation about it, that I was thinking, I just, I just need wisdom or I'm just going to leave the group. And Rachel's father seemed impressed with that. And then he said, maybe it would be good for you to stay in the group, to be involved and give you an opportunity to share God's word with them. Something like that. After that, I got thinking, and I thought, yeah, that is a good group. I did decide to leave the group as an administrator, but I stayed in the group. I did make a video, and I mentioned about God on that video to the group. Then one member asked me, do you read the Bible? Now, I thought maybe it might be a test or something, and I said, yes, I do read the Bible in church and at home. And so now I'm feeling good that from here on out, it might be an opportunity to share the gospel in this group. So if I make further posts and blogs to the group, there might be opportunity to share God's word. So. That's awesome. Anyone else that you'd like to build back here in the back? I never do this. <clears throat> a couple years ago, <clears throat> I put a $50 a bill in, in my wallet. And it's been there two or three months. So uh, one time we, uh, me and the wife, went to San Antonio, and I noticed one of the tires was getting bald. So I said, while we're here, we might as well go to the, the tire store. And she said, I'll stay in the car. You go in and check. <clears throat> so as I went in the door, my eyes just went to this lady. She was probably about where you're at there. And God said, give her that $50. When it comes to money, I'm a Jew. I'm sorry. Uh, My brother, Jesus, is a Jew. That was my excuse. But anyway, I turned around and went out to the car and I said, Brenda, I think God just told me to give that woman a Jew. Would he do that and give that Give that woman the $50. So I said, would he do that? And she says, well, yes. So, okay, I went back, and she was in the same spot. I walked up, and I said, God told me to give you this, and I turned around and walked out. That was my testimony. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, when when we could talk about doing stuff that God told us to do, but when money's involved, that's when it gets real. All right. Well, anyone else before I I get started and I'll be quick. So, um, I'm continuing our series. How is your soul? And as a quick review, I just, I began this series by asking us to do a self checkup. 
and ask us, how, how's our soul? How are you doing on the inside? And then the following week, I went from preaching and got into meddling and was asking, how's our family? Do you know what's going on with them? Do they know what's going on with you? And last week, I asked us, how's our work? Do you meet with God in the workplace? Do you take God with you where you work? Well, in this last part of our series, I want to build on what I said last week and ask this question. How is your calling? What's your purpose in life? Do you know what it is? What are you passionate about? Is there something that holds your excitement? Are you excited about something that's happening in your life? What gets you up in the morning? Now, I've told everybody here, and I think everybody knows by now, I was raised in church. And I was almost 30 years old before I heard somebody use the word passion in connection with my life in Christ. See, up until then, passion was, you know, worldly passion. And it was always a negative thing. No one had ever told me that I could be passionate about the things of God and about the kingdom. And when I heard it, it really opened my eyes. And I've not really been the same person since. Now, when we typically meet people, when we first meet each other, the, we exchange names. There's a couple other questions that we usually ask, right? Usually, where do you live or where are you from? And the second one, where do you work? What kind of work do you do? Well, the more proper English way to ask that second question would be to ask, what's your vocation? You don't typically hear that in Texas, right? It's, where do you work? <laughs> like a vocation, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's good, Daniel. Well, the word vocation is another word that describes our work, and it's derived from a Latin word, vocatio. I practiced that like all week, make sure I said it right. Vocatio, which means a call or a summons. Now, has anyone ever heard or known someone who referred to their work as their calling. A few of you? Perhaps it was somebody in medicine, like a doctor or a nurse. Maybe someone in social service. You know, they, they, 
they love to help people. Or maybe a teacher. And I think we've all known teachers that, lady, man, that is your calling in life. You are a teacher. We've known people like that. I've known people like that. And I've even heard people say that being in law enforcement was their calling. God bless them. What's well, a great thing, I think we all would agree, to make our life's work something that we love to do. Right? I mean, we're supposed to do what we love and love what we do. That's, that's what we encourage everybody with in our culture. Well, we made the announcement a few minutes ago about Uniquely You. Did, did y'all hear that? You know, sometimes we make announcements and it might just kind of blow by. So, but, but Uniquely You is starting up next week. And we're going to be studying in, in, in this particular study 23 sp specific spiritual gifts and assessing where we kind of fall on the line in terms of, you know, how, what, how do we operate and, and what's our makeup and how, how, how do the, the spiritual gifts, how do, how, do, how do they flow in and out of our lives? Well, it's my hope that we can get us all thinking about how we can participate in what God's doing because the gifts allow us to participate. To equip us to do the work of the kingdom. Well, if we're not careful, we can focus so much on what makes us unique that we miss the whole purpose of the exercise, which is to serve and to plug in to the kingdom of God. What's your place? Where do you fit? That's why we're doing it. And I, I hope everybody would, would take the the opportunity to do it. We've, I think we have a, a few slots still left. You can sign up in the, in the four-year. You can sign up on, online. But it's very important for us to find out where we fit. What's your place? It's not a blanket thing. We, we all have a part to play in the kingdom. And God is, he equips us to participate so that the kingdom is complete. John Wimber once said, if you're searching for your particular ministry and calling, it's right there in front of us in the Gospels. The work of Jesus is our calling. Loving the unlovable, serving our enemies, caring for the poor, strengthening the weak, healing the sick, equipping the saints, and doing the work of the kingdom. That's what we're all called to do. That's what we're all called to do. It's not just the pastor's work. It's not just the person who does this or does that. It's for all of us to participate in. At the end of Matthew's gospel, we read what is believed to be Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And he said... I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I've given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, 
even to the end of the age. Well, now, I think we remember that Jesus spent most of his time hanging around with his 12 disciples. And Judas was lost and then replaced. But essentially, those were the 12 that he poured his life into. And then there were another 72 disciples. We don't get to hear their names. We don't see their names in Scripture necessarily. But they are identified as the 72 who were part of Jesus' circle. And then before Jesus' ascension, the Apostle Paul says that there were some 500 or so who were present whenever Jesus ascended into heaven. And these were all people who had somehow had some kind of connection with Jesus while he was on earth. So when Jesus was speaking, he was speaking to these people. And in our record of scripture, we don't see anything in there that he called ministers, pastors, evangelists. He called these disciples to himself. And when he gave them this message, what we call the Great Commission, in essence what he was saying, when he said go, as you go, as you go about to do whatever it is that you do, and there were fishermen, there were carpenters. There was at least one tax collector who was in the group. There were other types of vocations that were present. And so when Jesus gave this commission to his disciples, these 500 who were present, he told them, as you go, make disciples. Teach them what I taught you. And when I was growing up, my life revolved around the local church. At one point in time, our church was literally, you could see it, you walk out into our street, you could see it down at the end of our street. Our street ended, there was a pasture, there was a street, it continued on the other side, and it, and it, and it came, came right out in front of the church. So I could see the church from my house. And that was my focal point as a kid. We always were at church. We had a Sunday night service. We had a Wednesday night service. We had things that went on during the week, several nights a week. And I was friends with the pastor's kids, so I was always at the church. That was my life. Everything about it, it my, my life revolved around the church. Well, when I was in, in junior high, high school, I started going to, to youth camps. And one summer, and this is why we're pushing the, the, the kids' camp, by the way, because the, it gives the kids an opportunity to hear from the Lord on their own terms. Well, I went to a youth camp when I was 16 years old, and the speaker was talking about being called by God into ministry. Well, I responded to that to that, to that call at the end of, his, of his, his message. And the only thing I knew at that point in time was, I just want to help people. I want to give my life to Jesus and I just want to help people. I don't know what that looks like. And you may have noticed in the, in the time that, that we've been together, 
I have a, a tendency to stammer a little bit. When I was a kid, I was really nervous about getting up in front of people and talking because I might not get it right. It might come out funny. I might stutter. Thank God I don't stutter like I used to. But it was one of those things. And then whenever I started mining out what this means, you know, what, what do I want to do with my life? It, it, I, I just want to help people. And God kept opening doors and, 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 and giving me opportunities to serve, to help people. And some 35 years later, here I am as your pastor. But can I tell you something? The most important thing that I do as your pastor, the most important thing that I do is to cultivate my own personal relationship with Jesus. Hour by hour, day by day. You see, that's what, that's what Jesus has called us all into, is relationship. What, regardless of whatever responsibilities that, that we're given in the kingdom of God, regardless of whatever abilities that God has given us, ultimately we're called into relationship. With Jesus. C.S. Lewis, the author of The Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, Screw Tape Letters, and all these other classics that I'm sure many of you have read, he had this to say in regard to calling. The real problem of the Christian life comes when people are, do not look for it. It comes the very moment when you wake up each morning and all your wishes and your hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job every morning consists simply of shoving them all back in listening to that other voice and taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life to come flowing in. And see, this is what I've been trying to get to the last, the last three weeks Cultivating a life that allows us to hear God's voice, His calling to us. And it's a daily challenge. There's always something that's fighting to get our attention. And we have to say yes each and every day that I'm going to obey your voice, Lord. It's like a prayer I saw a few years ago. Maybe you've seen it. Dear Lord, so far I've done it all right. I've not gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a whole lot more help. One of my favorite passages of Scripture comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome. And I like to read it in the message translation where it says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God like an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him.
And don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you, and quickly respond to it. That's what I was saying before. Quickly respond to God's voice. And unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. What if we were to give Jesus, to present to Him each and every morning our missional life? You know, we talk about mission. You know, what's, what's your mission in life? What's your purpose? What if we were to lay that before Jesus? Because that's the part of us that gives us meaning and purpose. What if we allowed the Holy Spirit to renew our minds every day in regard to our personal mission, our calling, our sense of purpose, and our vocation as a follower of Christ? How might that affect the world that we live in? How might that affect the people that are in your circle of influence? Because Jesus loves them and he's put them in your life to influence them for him. Well, I want to invite the Holy Spirit. I want to see what, what the what the Lord might want to do today. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Come and speak to us. Come and minister to us. Come and have your way in this room. It's in your presence. Would anyone like to share something maybe that the Lord has, has spoken to you? A word or a picture of thought? Yes, ma'am. Let's see. Where's the... So when you were asking the Holy Spirit to uh, speak to us and minister to us, 
Um, I felt like he was showing me that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is softening our hearts so we can become carriers of the dove, like the dove came upon Jesus, like the Holy Spirit wants to rest on us, but sometimes our hearts are so hardened that um, we just go through life and not notice the things that you were talking about, like somebody needs help, somebody has an, a need, and then Holy Spirit wants to tell us, but we're so busy, and we have our own thoughts, and so I felt like he was telling me to that he wanted to soften my heart, like melt my heart for what he wants to do. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you, Anna. Yeah. Thank you. How many of you would be willing to say, you know, that might be me, that I might need to be softened a little bit? That's good. That's why, that's why the Lord gave her that word to share. So we're going we're gonna to pray. And that, that was actually one of the things that I wanted to, wanted to pray for today was if, if, if you would like to hear from the Lord, you'd like God to speak to you. And he's always speaking, but, you know, we don't always hear what he's trying to say. Tracy? Brian's coming. Before Anna said what she did, I had just been sitting here praying pretty much the same thing, that hearts would be softened and that the hurts would be, and the blockages, whatever's blocking people from having that would be broken off. And any chains that are binding them to that is, is broken and that they would have that peace and they would know that and that they would have the softened hearts yeah. for him and be more aware of him. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else? Do you, you feel like God's speaking? Okay. Well, here, here's, here's what I want to do. Does someone else? Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. So, um, whenever you had asked Holy Spirit to come and everything, of course, I'm open to that. And, um, as I close my eyes, and just lifted my hands up, there was like this big white cross. It was like, as my eyes stayed closed. And see, for me, this, um, this vision that I just seen right here, it isn't the first time I've seen it. Sometimes I'm just driving down the road or I'm at work and I'll see a white cross, but it's been further in the distance. And so just now, as I was sitting here and I did that, and it's kind of hard to ignore whenever it's happened, and it's happened, it's like, okay, well, am I crazy? <laughs> you know, there's certain events in my life that it's happened similar to this, but this, this particular moment, there was this big white cross as I closed my eyes, and then um, as I was opening my eyes, it was kind of a strange feeling because it was like as though um, my hands, by them, you know, just being free, came down, pulling down the cross like that. So I don't know what that means. So I'm just sharing the, the vision that I kind of had there. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Are you going to sign? And, and, okay. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. He'll hold it. Good. Yeah. Take care of your wife. Um, I had not planned 
really. Sorry. <laughs> I had not planned to, to say this because often I myself feel like, okay, that's me. And he's speaking, you know, affirmations or encouragements to me all the time. But I kept asking, okay, God, what do you want to say as I was waiting? And because I'm interpreting, sometimes I'm like, okay, no, you're not going to speak to me because I'm already working. I'm already working. Someone else do it. Daniel, do it. <laughs> um, but he, he did clearly say, I am moving. He said it one time. And then as I asked again, I'm like, okay, he said again, I am moving. And I, I just think that connects to your picture. He's bringing himself to us to move, to do the things that you, he wants done and softening our hearts. Okay. All right. Well, now, we need to... We need to pray. We need, there, there's some stuff that's going on in the room, and we need to respond. And I want to start, first of all, if you're in this room and maybe you're in a, in a position where, where you are undecided, that you're trying to make up your mind in terms of, of your relationship to Jesus, Jesus is calling and he's inviting us to him. And we need to respond to what he's saying. So if, if, if you're here this morning and you're in a place where you're, you're trying to make a decision or you're not sure of your decision or you're, whatever it might be, I want, it, want an opportunity to, to pray with you this morning. And the second thing, I want to pray for those that you felt like God spoke to you that you need that he wants to soften your heart. And again, this this isn't a chastisement. This isn't God pointing his finger and scolding. So, I just want to invite you to come. If you if you feel that that you need a softening in your heart, then come. I saw some of you raise your hand. And it can happen right where you're sitting. But you've got to respond. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is calling. And I also feel like, too, that there's there's some who are, you're grieving today. And the Lord wants to comfort you in your grief. The Lord wants to comfort you in your circumstances. So I I want us us to stand. If you raised your hand and you said that that I, I would like my heart to be softer. I want to pray specifically for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. If you're on our prayer team, I invite you to come to the front and and help us pray.
Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and, and do your work of softening in us this morning. Lord, do your work in us to, to settle the questions that we have. Lord, come and do your work in us. We just invite you to come now. If you'd like to pray, we'll be here at the front.